0: Welcome to episode one sixty one of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name's Trent. I'm here with Jason, and we got some kiss, kiss for you today. Kiss. <laughs> KISSOnline.com There you go. Visit that. Give them some of your money.
1: Yes. Get 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 a kiss condom. There you go.
0: And a Hello Kitty diaper bag with yes. kiss. Yes. And paint.
1: and as I've mentioned before, get you a pack of air guitar strings.
0: Of course. Just saying. Well, KISS, every album in a row, is the topic of this one. That's what we're doing today. And we've got CJ McClellan from the band Grind joining us. This is the first every album in a row that we've had someone join us, so it's pretty cool. And thank God we did, actually. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we needed someone on this one, because both of us are KISS fans. Yes. But neither one of us is one of those people that are diehards, that have been through, you know, since... 70s or yeah. the early 80s or whatever, you know, we came in in the late 80s, early 90s. So it's good to have CJ here to to add a little more perspective to some of this stuff cuz he's got more lo- knowledge on this than us. Yes.
1: Yes. And uh I mean for me, we listened to these records a while back and I you know, I don't make notes for this stuff. <laughs> this is definitely a lesson learned I will now going forward.
0: You don't have to tell people that.
1: I see. I'm honest. <laughs> You're because being they're gonna, transparent. They're, 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 when they hear this, they're going to know. Well, Jason's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, uh, see, you agree. You said yeah. So my, you know, my thing was because usually I don't need to, but there's so many Kiss records it spans so spans over you know four decades or whatever, and you know so I you know I forgot some stuff and I boned up on what I could and tried to refresh on what I could, but. Um, and then you know but there's also cj was such a, a an authority he he kind of taught both of us some stuff so this is it was really cool and cj knows his kiss stuff and you know i, I couldn't imagine this uh, and now that we did it i couldn't imagine this episode
0: without him so this is great this is really great yeah there's been a few of the ones we've done in the past where someone would say why didn't you have me on it you know and it just we just didn't really think about it, and theres it's always people that know a lot about that band. Definitely. But so, you know, maybe going forward, every time we do one of these, it might be cool to pick out someone that we know that's a huge fan of whatever the band is. Yeah, so Jimmy's Chicken Shack is next. Yeah. Anybody that is a huge authority on that band, I think, in touch with us. I think Andy from Fist of Rage, that's his, like, second favorite band behind Elastica. Bam. All right. There you go. That. All right, well, every album in a row... To explain to you is a thing that previously we did as a YouTube exclusive. This is the first one we put up on the podcast. Yes. Because, you know, F YouTube, basically. We don't care anymore. We can do what we want. Yeah. So what we do, to give you a nutshell of the way this works, is it's exactly what it says every album in a row. We take every single studio album, and all the previous bands, all we did was studio albums, and if there was any albums that had unreleased tracks... You know, B-sides and stuff like that. KISS is the first band we decided to throw in some live stuff because the live is so iconic. Iconic. And and Unplugged is something that all of us love. It's so badass. So, like, I'm sure if we did Alice in Chains one day, we would probably have to throw in Unplugged because it's so... Uh, Yeah, exactly. so huge, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. So we just kind of pick and choose as that goes.
1: That'd be a good idea to do, too, one day. Yeah, without a doubt.
0: But, yeah, so we just start track one, go to the final track. Listen to it all in a row. Most of the songs you've heard a million times, but when you listen to it all in a row, you really hear how stuff changed in the late 70s and early 80s, and then again, early 80s and early 90s, and then again, late 90s. -hmm. So KISS, you know, has the, I believe the largest catalog we've done this with. Yeah. In the past, we've done this with Metallica, Megadeth, Pantera, Ozzy, Guns N' Roses, is that everything? Motley Crew. Motley Crew. Yeah. So, and there's several other ones we've talked about doing. We just haven't got to yet. But kiss is the subject of the day. Before we get into this with CJ, let you know that Grind is a band you need to check out. At we are the Grind on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram as well. Follow them, like them. They've got tons of great music. Just our very last episode, one sixty. We played their song Bridges. Yes. Cuz it won single of the year at the Tulsa Music Awards here a couple it, weeks it, ago.
1: It definitely is that.
0: Without a doubt. Yeah. Last time CJ was on here was with Dell, the singer of Grind and that was back at episode 134. So go back and check that out. We talked about all kinds of stuff. They've been on her twice and we always get into get pretty deep with those guys cuz they're extremely <laughs> easy to talk to. Well, we're we ready to just jump into this thing cuz yeah. it's a long one. Yeah, roll it. Here's CJ McClellan with us for Kisses Every Album in a Row.
2: was Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up. I bought them right at the same time. It was about seventh grade. And uh, I can remember being a little kid, you know, five, six years old, and having the Kiss dolls and Kiss lunch boxes, you know, back in the mid-70s. And knowing Kiss as a kid, as these iconic, almost like superhero cartoonish characters. And every once in a while, you know, we didn't have cable back then. Every once in a while you'd catch them on, you know, American Bandstand or something that they'd have like you know those pre-recorded tracks they'd play to. Yeah. Uh, so that was my version of Kiss. I and I actually can remember being like probably six, thinking that Hot Blooded was a Kiss song. You know, I was like, man, I love that Kiss song, Hot Blooded. <laughs> and my aunt's like, that's not a Kiss. I'm like, yes, it is. They had to have written that song. <laughs> but um, it wasn't until I was about seventh grade that that I could buy my own music. That I actually started buying it and then worked backwards. Um, so that's kind of my my beginnings with the kiss I fell right into their marketing trap Gene Simmons was a genius <laughs> yes he was <laughs> had was. all the
1: kids hooked it before is. they even knew what they were getting hooked to and I uh, like you said the American Bandstand tracks because mm-hmm. they'd still be going as the song would fade out right still be, mm-hmm. and you'd be like what are they doing that's right. awesome <laughs> but you're little you didn't know but uh, as, as for me um, you know you know you always knew a kiss even though I was just a little kid because they were so big. They were always on TV and whatever, but I didn't really know much about them. <clears throat> and then, you know, in the early nineties, revenge and all that kind of stuff. When you're first, when I was first starting to get into everything, um, you know, so that was, and then <clears throat> a couple of years go by and kind of grunge came in and that wasn't really my thing at the time. So, I wanted something new, so I just kind of went back to everything that all the bands I loved, what they got started on. So Mm -hmm. I went back and got into KISS and Hendrix and Leonard Skinner. And it seems, I don't know, I remember as I just decided to start it, you know, Square One with the first album. Because I'd heard those song titles as, you know, more than the others. And I was just blown away you know the sounds they were getting and it was 1974 I mean that was just so you really heard the genesis of of a lot of a lot of stuff of hard rock and I mean that first and it's still my first I mean I could do a whole episode on just that first album so
0: is that the first one you actually bought I
1: I think so like I said I, I I don't know if I'm remembering it wrong but I mean, Revenge was the first one, oh, okay. but when I went back and decided I'm going to get really into these guys, mm-hmm. that was what I did, and I, that's my favorite KISS record to this day still. Well, they play a lot of those songs still. They've stood the test of time. Yeah, I definitely.
2: Mean, probably half that record. They still play in their yep. their set list, you know, forty years later.
1: I, I still like Kissin Time too, I'm not gonna lie. Dude <laughs>
2: That was that's like an abomination they put that song back on
3: there.
1: <laughs> I love it. It, it totally wasn't on the
2: original <laughs> record. Uh, you know, a lot of people may not know that. It wasn't on the original release. Yeah. They the record sales were not going very well. And so they the next press of the record they they put that song on there trying to get like a Radio friendly yeah. song. Something that said all the cities. Right. <laughs> but, you know, and then, but it's an iconic record with these songs, of, these other mm-hmm. songs that were not giving them hits, quote, yeah, have stood the, the test of time for 40 plus years. You know, that's, that's
1: pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah. Well, you, Trent.
0: And yeah, the first album I bought was Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that was around a time when I was really getting into music. It was probably like after. Probably eighty nine or something. Yeah, you were putting yeah. the X and sex. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't. I bought the album because it was the greatest hits, and it was right. new. And then I heard that, and I thought, "Oh my god!" You know, I was like twelve, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever heard." You know, you <laughs> right. make me rock hard. You know? Right. <laughs> With the pause, so right. you know, to my twelve year old mind, I'm like, Paul Stanley is the greatest ever. Right. You know, because of those two songs alone. But then I, you know, it wasn't. You know, I had that quasi greatest hits. It mm-hmm. wasn't really. It was missing a lot of stuff, but then I got revenge, and then that's just when I went full into it after that, kind of like you said. Yeah. But yeah. Before we just start going to all these, I wrote down 20 studio albums. Right. And for this thing, we covered 249 songs. Okay. And that Ah. includes Alive and Unplugged, were the only two live albums we included. Right. And then. They have, they have, as most people have known, four live albums and then several other live albums and then the four solo albums, but we didn't include that. And, there was yeah. only one worth listening to. <laughs> Peter Chris's. No way. <laughs> and then the two compilations that had the new tracks, Killers and yeah, Killers. Smashes Thrashes. And then I looked it up and there's 20 plus compilations and boxes. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing I noticed when I was just skimming through seeing how many there were. I was surprised at how many of those things have gone gold and platinum, especially mm-hmm. the earlier ones. Not so much the later ones, except maybe a couple of the box sets had a lot of sales, but.
2: Well, even the first two records weren't considered like major commercial successes. Yeah. They were gold records. Yeah. You know, how many bands nowadays that are struggling to get any record sales would love to have that. No right. Yeah. And they were considered kind of, yeah, they weren't, you know, the record company was struggling, um, to make, uh, to balance things out with those sales. But, pretty cool
0: yeah well you already kind of got into it a tiny bit but <laughs> yeah yeah I mean Kiss like what you alluded to was something I wrote down because it's one of those almost every song is a classic rock stable type of albums like the first Boston record you know yeah. or something like that where you could hear the majority of the songs right. on the radio at any time still which is crazy Except for Kiss an album, Time though. yeah well yeah so I to... <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: it's okay you can give me crap right <laughs> no uh, every
2: one of these songs that you know they've, they've played live at Love Theme I would have never really seen, but um, most of these other songs 100,000 Years Black Diamond Firehouse Nothing to Lose
1: I, I mean it's just Cold Gin I mean these are just it's staples insane. strutter and, and what I what I loved about it was it was so like um, you know you could hear him you could hear them the fingers across the frets mm-hmm. it was just so like organic and raw that was just great one
2: of the things we can talk about as we go through these is some of the, the album cover art too, because that's kind yeah, of been true. a cool thing with Kiss. One of the things that I like about, as I was reading up on some of the history about this record, is that Ace showed up wanting to press impress the guys that he had spray painted his hair silver for that album shoot, and I never yeah. noticed that. Yeah. But if you, when you go back and look at it, you can see he's got like this shiny sheen to his hair. Yeah. Can you imagine those guys? He walks in there like, really? <laughs> really, man? Well,
1: what I always thought about him on that cover was it, it kind of almost doesn't look like Ace in a way. Yeah. Like he looks like bulkier or something. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. But yeah, the silver hair. Yeah, that was definitely. I was like, that he doesn't usually do that. It's yeah. yeah, spray paint. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the, oh, just the Krylon look, man. <laughs> <clears throat> I wonder how hard that was to get out. No telling him. <laughs>
0: What's your favorite song on this album? Me? Yeah, or either of you. Uh, man, I mean, what do you
2: choose? you got Strutter and Deuce and Cold Jen. Kissing and <laughs> I mean, probably <laughs> Strutter, um, but I love all these songs. I mean, Cold Jen Cold Gin is kind of the beginning of Ace contributing a song that he should have sung. But he didn't have the, you know, he'll tell it in the interviews I've seen of him. He just talked about it. he didn't have confidence in his vocals until much later. And nowadays he play, He sings all these songs mm-hmm. that he, you know, Parasite and Cold Gin, these, these classic songs that he gave Gene. Yeah. Yeah. They became Gene classics. <laughs> they should have been Ace classics. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of partial to Cold Gin
0: too because of that. Yeah, yeah, that is, Cold Gin might be my favorite Kiss song ever. Right. But it's kind of that and then Black Diamond right behind it. And so. the irony that Gene
2: sings it when he's a teetotaler and, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> yeah, it would have made
1: way more sense with Ace singing that
3: song.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Cold Gin. I mean, uh, I love Nothing to Lose and Let Me Know. But I mean, I, I don't know, the whole, the whole record, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite on this one. This is, like I said a minute ago, this is my favorite Kiss record.
2: And the, and the funny thing to me is, so they're, they're marketed to kids, not initially. They came out, you know, being a, a, a hard rock band. And then they, then they kind of took that marketing thing with the kids and songs like Nothing to Lose, which. Yeah. You read the lyrics and hear what he's really talking about trying to come in her back door. Yeah. You got <laughs> nothing to lose, baby. Let it happen. And it's it's hilarious to me that they got these little kids and these kids' parents going to these concerts singing songs like this. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good, though.
3: <laughs> and they had probably had no idea. No, they had no that clue. That's what this song is yeah. about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, higher than hell. Follow this up. And there's times where I can listen to this and think I like it better than the first one. But it's pretty even to me. Yeah. For the most part.
2: It had a rougher production quality to me. And then the uh, the packaging looked like really half done. That, it's yeah, very the, rough looking. It looks like a cheap import, you know, that you'd find over. It,
1: it does. Now, <laughs> that's that's the perfect way to describe it. Because I remember seeing it. I was like, is this the real Covered it. I buy right. some weird version yeah. of this or something? And that that was it. <laughs> well they, they got back in the studio
2: quick. It was just less than a year after the yeah. first one coming back. The sales weren't going great so they got back in the studio and this has got iconic songs on it. You oh, know, yeah. Parasite, Hotter Than Hell, Watching You. These are songs coming home that have stood the test of time. Um, the Going Blind song I gotta say, it's probably got one of the weirdest lyrics I've ever heard, the whole yeah. I'm ninety-three and you're sixteen. I mean, yeah. I'm mean, like, really? Gene, what the hell is that all about? And then like later on, Christine 16, yeah. he writes a song about an older guy like creeping on a younger girl.
0: And that's what I was talking about. Like, why do people always give Kip Winger shit for 17? Gene Simmons did it I know that was sixteen yeah, It's yeah, even it worse. Be, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And and he probably really did it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think (laughs) Kip Wheeler was just writing a song. Gene Simmons probably did some dastardly shit, okay? Right. (laughs) But no, you said Coming Home. Gotta love that song. That's such Mm -hmm. a good song. That's probably, yeah, one of my favorites on the record. But, you know, Parasite, I I like Got to Choose. That's a great album
2: opener. Parasite's my favorite. It's one of my favorite uh, ace guitar solos, too. Yeah. It's just got a real cool little vibe to it. Um, Definitely one of my favorite Kiss songs of all time. (laughs) The original title of this record was uh, The Harder They Come. Really? And then they, they went with Hotter <laughs> Than Hell. So, uh, anyway, again, this second record, Ace throws out a great iconic song with Parasite, chooses not to sing it, gives it to Gene.
1: Like, what the hell are you What's doing? What's going on? <laughs> so, and Anthrax does a great cover. Yes, they right. do. Yes, they do.
0: Yeah, I thought Mainline is a good... Uh, a good deep cut that no one ever talks about right i mean it's not like one of their greatest songs by any means but it's one of those
2: i'll say in looking at this song list there's not a song on here that i don't like you know i like all these songs these are all classic kiss songs to me yeah if any of them came on i wouldn't be like skip you know (laughs) i would listen to any of these
0: yeah that's why i think those yeah those first two albums just have a great continuity of like you said, everything's great. Yeah. It's yeah, not you not like, have to skip around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here in a bit, we get to points where you have to skip around. Right? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe even this next one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> dress to kill. kill. But I love that room service starts off sounding like, am I listening to Elton John? I mean, it right. sounds like yeah. fucking Saturday night, it's all right at the party or something, you know? Or, I mean, all right for fighting.
2: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't <laughs> as strong as the first two records, but um, this was the first record that had... Somewhat of a hit with Rock and Roll All Night, mm-hmm. obviously has been their yeah. hugest hit, and then uh, Come On and Love Me was was uh, picked up, you know, there for a while. So it's it was the first one that got them a little more track it track traction, um, and this was about the time they were really becoming more known for the theatrical live shows mm-hmm. um, than necessarily their record productions. But yeah. it wasn't trans- you know, wasn't corresponding to they were out arenas and shows and getting double book places but they it wasn't really transferring to the record sales. Yeah wasn't selling records.
1: Yeah. You know. So was
0: Rock and Roll a Night a hit before live? Like as a studio song? Um
2: that I don't know. I don't know the timing of that, honestly. Uh they were it, it's a, it came out the same year, so it's kinda hard to oh, okay. say. Both came out in seventy five. So I don't know how you would know for I
1: sh- oh. I wouldn't know for sure. <clears throat> And, you, you know, when you hear rock and roll out on the radio, I mean, at least right here, it's always alive. It's yeah, never the version really. on, on this record, <laughs> you know. The the song She, you
2: know, how much you guys know about the band Pre-Kiss, Wicked Lester, hmm. which was Paul and Gene, and yeah. it was really kind of almost like a, when I hear that stuff, it's got a lot of Jethro Tull influences as real it's basically like the elder stuff. It's, there's flutes and there's just odd things going on. Wicked Lester, um, she was one of their songs. Really? So nice. this was the first showing up. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it was, I love her all I can. I think both of those songs were Wicked Lester songs. Really? Wow. Th- those are my
1: two favorite songs on the record. <laughs> That's well, what I was, was going to say. Go hey, look hey, up hey, Wicked hey. Lester. You might love uh, them. You know, this reminds me, I think I texted you. It was a month or two ago. I was driving home on the B A, and a car passed me with a Wicked Lester license plate. Really? I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm not that's kidding a deep me. Kiss fan. I was like, there. that guy really. <laughs> yeah. He knows his shit. <laughs> yeah, that's going deep.
2: <laughs> but yeah, the versions. Uh, I mean, you would recognize she. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely it's a different take on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Both uh, those songs and Come On and Love Me are probably my three favorites off that.
2: Right. Yeah, come on, love me, rock bottom. I like rock bottom too.
0: Yeah, I like two timer as well.
1: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean it's 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 a good record. It's,
2: it's a is. cool cover. Yeah, that was one of the other things I like about this one. You know, you got them up there They're dressed up. Yeah, the the kiss makeup, wearing snazzy little suits. They were dressed to kill. Yeah,
0: you know that was probably just yeah presented as a joke, and then it became reality. That's my guess. I don't That's know. a cool album. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alive comes out, and it's basically, you know, greatest hits of the first three albums, obviously. But this is revered by a lot of people as one of the greatest live albums of all time. But is it, you might know more, is it really live?
2: Well, I think on both of the records, I know especially on Alive, too, um, the, the, the thought process out there with a lot of folks is that a lot of the songs were recorded during Soundcheck. And then okay. they then they added yeah. crowd noise, you know. So,
0: so they were how many
2: them. were truly, truly, truly part of the concert, and how many were sound check tracks with crowd noise? Probably only them, and they might not even know. And a record engineer, probably the one that knows for sure. But, um, Alive was a game changer for them. I mean, yeah. it it it, it the record sales exploded. It basically was compilation of. Uh, You know, what I've read on it, three different shows, Detroit, New New Jersey, Cleveland, and Iowa shows kind of pieced together and really brought the magic of what a KISS show was into the living room of, you know, every kid in America that had never seen a concert. You know, so like me, 1974, I'm 75, I'm four or five years old and never going to, at that point, not going to get to go see a concert, but you get to experience a KISS concert in your own living room. It
0: was just—it was a game changer for them. Well, in the way that—that's probably the first album where you know, because a lot of live albums, especially older ones, sound real flat, the crowd-wise. But this made that they recorded that crowd noise and made Mm -hmm. it where you could hear it at all times, which is not usual. Right, you hear it fade in and out at the beginning and end of the song. But I wanted to ask you. Sorry. Go. Because this guy is not a fan of live albums you know, yes, you that throughout right the years. So I'm just wondering, as a guy that's not a fan of live albums, what do you think of this um, in particular?
1: I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the same. There's only one or two live albums that I really go nuts over. This isn't one of them, but I mean, that doesn't mean nothing, right. uh, you know, but I definitely, I definitely recognize how, like you said, this is the album that kind of changes it all. And it, and it introduced, it introduced what we all know as Kiss now, even though there's three records before, mm-hmm. you know, this was, you know, oh, they've arrived. And so that's, you know, and if, and if that's what it takes to, to get to that point, hell, release a live album, you know, and they did. <laughs> well, this inspired a generation of, of future rock stars. I had read that...
2: Um Kim Thayil from Soundgarden. This was the first record he ever bought. Yeah, you know, Dimebag talks about how much an influence this was, and you can mm. imagine these six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old little kids in their bedroom with a tennis racket with this record on, yeah, pretending they're Ace Frehley, yeah, you know, or Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley. And if if you were gonna own one record, if if you were gonna get into Kiss and be like, what the, what is that? What are they all about? To me, this is the record I'd point someone to. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Like that's Kiss, that's that's what that's what you get, you know. Yeah, that
1: yeah, this record would be the introduction. Which is crazy because that's, that,
0: sure. that's pretty rare for a band to have a live album that gets them over the top, you know? right? Mm-hmm. Usually, those come after the after you're over the top. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I love that hundred thousand years long ass, like mm-hmm. twelve minutes long. Yeah. yeah, And that jam at the end of "Let Me Go Rock and Roll" was badass, right? But I, thought I was going to say something else about that, but I forgot. But
1: was it was it Black Diamond or a hundred thousand years where the the drum riser went way up high and the two of, and the three of them went way out? Black Diamond. A lot of long. times they did yeah, that. Okay. The drum riser. Piece. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Destroyer was next. Now that <laughs>
0: I mean, um, in my opinion, you know. At this point, I mean this is only the fourth album, but it's the most diverse album that I've right. done at this point by far. Mm-hmm. And I mean it starts off with those first three songs are pretty dark sounding. Right. And then it but then it goes in a lot of different directions after mm-hmm. that, you know. And then you've got stuff like Shout It Out Loud that's like becomes this massive thing later on. And it's just right. it's a great album. I think it's you hear a lot of people say that's their favorite album, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't I'd put it i definitely in my top six probably
2: yeah of kiss or just in kiss i mean
0: yeah yeah no it wouldn't be in my godfire six of all time (laughs) i I mean i like what you said
1: though you know the first three songs and then great expectations is kind of like whoa what is (laughs) this you know and then it kind of goes off um do you love me i always thought kind of sounded like it could be on one of the first three albums more Mm -hmm. than because the rest of this album sounded more you know they had more (laughs) to work with i'm sure and Better production, more money, and stuff that you could tell. You know.
2: This is the first time they worked with Bob Ezrin, who okay. was the record uh, engineer producer for Alice Cooper. Mm. And to me, this was the the most polished and produced record so far that they had done. The production was much higher, and you know they're bringing in orchestration, and they're bringing in you know piano, they're bringing yeah. in things that gave them depth and and diversity of sound that you didn't hear on those. And I think, you know, Bob probably had a big part of that. The album art is probably the most iconic Kiss record album covers with the city burning in the background and all of them looking like big superheroes.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, you can't forget
2: that. Captured my imagination at, you know, five, (laughs) six, seven years old. But... um,
0: It's my second favorite album cover of those, personally.
2: Loved loved this record. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a... it's a testament to me how sometimes artists, they don't know what the, the crowd's going to connect to. They released Detroit Rock City as their single, which is a great song. Yeah. They still play it 40 years later, but Beth's a B-side on that. And then Beth becomes <laughs> the biggest song that they've ever done. Oh, the fans man. had to call in radio stations to request you know, to flip their single yeah. over to play you know, the B-side. And it's just funny, you know, how many times has that happen where bands are thinking this is going to be the song? Yeah, and oh, yeah. then the, the B side is the one that, that the kids exactly. and the crowd want to hear. So,
0: so Beth is the highest charting song ever had.
2: To my yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was their their largest commercial charting hit that they that they had. Well, you know, there you go, Peter. Chris. It wasn't X and Sex,
0: but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all,
2: all night. It was yeah. Beth. You
0: know. <laughs> well. As a huge Kiss fan, mm-hmm. do you like Peter, Chris, Eric Carr, or Eric Singer singing this the most? Well, obviously, probably not Eric Singer, but yeah, um, <laughs> did Eric Carr sing this? I, I don't remember. remember. Didn't he? I don't know. They,
2: I don't remember them playing it with oh, Eric I just Carr. If they, they did, did. I, I don't remember that that uh, that time. I know he sang "Black Diamond" uh, for them. The years I saw him in like Animal Eyes and Asylum tours, but. Um, I mean, I got to go with Peter Chris. He had a great, a really cool gravelly voice. Yeah. In terms of like drummer, you know, no, he's not my first pick. His drumming was <laughs> the weakest of those three, right. in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. He had his his jazzy style, but I loved Eric Carr, you know, playing drums, and Eric Singer is just a beast. So, you know, they the drum wise, I'd go with one of those guys. Vocally, I mean, I. Peter Chris had a, had some great gravelly vocals that mm-hmm. were very unique, so I I give him the nod on that.
0: Well, Kent, we, we haven't even mentioned God of Thunder, and that's like oh yeah, right. one in my favorite, one of my favorites. You know, of all it's time. one of
2: my definitely one of my favorite Gene songs. Yeah, the epitome to me of the seventies era demon persona. Right, you know. Great song.
1: And wasn't that one of the things where Paul's actually the one that wrote that one? Right, and right. Oh, really? Gene yeah. wrote one of the Paul songs that I can't remember how Yeah, it you're went. right. This was a Paul Played Stanley a song.
2: Yeah. And uh, I think that, I don't know if it was Bob Ezrin, but the, one of the producers was like, you should let
1: Gene sing that Oh, one. yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And that worked. Right. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> Shout It Out Loud was the first one that they sang, both of them sang, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did boasting on that. Because yeah. I know they've
0: only done that a few times. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, I've read, and I don't know if it's true or not, um, I read this was the first record where they started having some issues with Ace being oh, yeah, present. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That Like the song Sweet Pain uh, is rumored that Ace was M.I.A. on that song. So this, in the legend and lore of where things started getting a little weird, you know, this was one th- one of the records that I had always heard was The Beginning.
1: Yeah. Cue Bob Kulick. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So do you know when that started happening? Or I think... Well,
2: definitely live, too. Um, he's on that. All those studio tracks but one, for sure. And then when you get into the records post that, you know, Dynasties and, the, um, and uh, Creatures of the Night. You know, there's a lot of hit and miss with Ace. Yeah, yeah. This was the earliest in any of like the reading or you know things I've kept up with kiss over the years had heard that there was a possibility like on that one track mm. only that that he was in my on. okay but there were some some of the the tracks um I don't know that they would about brought Bob in at that point sometimes Paul just covered it I know there's uh there's a song later on one of the other records that the lead stuff Paul just played okay So, you know, Bob, he auditioned for Kiss when when they held it. He was the the times I've seen him talk about that audition process. I guess he entered, he auditioned, and then uh, Ace came in after him. So they auditioned at the same time. That was how close he was
0: to being in the band. Wow, you know, from the
2: start. So,
0: well, Rock and Roll Over is next, right? Personally, this is my favorite album ever. Just because it's so... Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, I kind of gravitated pretty. towards it when I was younger just because mm-hmm. it's so cool and mm-hmm. almost psychedelic in a way, but not really. And it's just... I know Destroyer is more iconic, but this to me was just the coolest of any other artwork ever.
2: Yeah. So I got a funny story about that artwork. <laughs> when I lived in Chicago as a kid, it was like 1978, 79. Um, we lived in like this apartment complex and there was like a little... Strip mall with the convenience store and a little grocery place that was, you know, walking distance for a little kid. And my mom sent me to the store one day to go pick up some milk, a couple other things, gave me like 20 bucks. It's like, bring back my change. So I go to the store. While I'm there, you know, as little kids do, you get distracted. And I'm going down this aisle and they have this huge rock and roll over poster that you can color. You know, it was like just the blank (laughs) one with the markers and all that that's awesome I just had to have it yeah (laughs) so I'm like well maybe my mom won't notice the damn thing's as big as I was you know (laughs) so I go get I get whatever she wanted me to get and then I buy this record and uh, I'm like oh I'm gonna be dead she's gonna kill me (laughs) and I walk in like hoping she doesn't notice you know trying to keep it behind my back and she's like really (laughs) <laughs> but once she saw it, she was, she was always a big supporter of the, you know, the music stuff I was getting into and yeah, she kind of got a kick out of it, but I thought I was totally getting ready to get my ass kicked over, <laughs> getting the damn rock and roll over poster. Well, you, you did, still have it? No, I wish I did. <laughs> that would be I, awesome. I probably did a pretty shitty job coloring <laughs> it though.
0: I so. bet one of those blank right now would probably worth a show. Oh out. man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I wish I had a lot of that Kiss you, stuff I had back when I was seven, eight years old. You could get it now and color it now. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I'm sure I colored it then. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: overall, I thought this had a lot of good songs. I mean, it doesn't... It, you know what? Calling Dr. Love might be the only one that's kind of big yeah. to most people, but... Hard Luck Woman. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. But it's... I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. Right. But I mean, there's great stuff, like... I like, I want you calling Dr. Love. love him right. Her Luck Woman to me sounds like Rod Stewart wrote it, but maybe that's what they were trying to do to capitalize on that well, sound too. You know, Paul I, wrote it for
1: Rod Stewart. Oh, did he really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Wow.
2: I did not know like you, that. And then you didn't use it, so I yeah. used it. Is well, that I don't know if they ever offered it, but I had read that he had written it originally for <laughs> thinking of Rod Stewart
1: using this song wow. and they gave it to Peter Chris. Which I mean, Peter did great on it. Yeah, and and you can see they kind of have that gravelly voice the same. I mean, it sounds like Maggie Mae, yeah,
2: you know, it's along that same, you know, and you wear it well, it's in that same wheelhouse of the songs
1: Stuart was doing in that era. I like Baby Driver, I thought that was a cool song.
2: I like I Want You and Making Love, those are two songs (laughs) I always thought were cool songs that never really got a lot of attention.
0: Yeah, Making Love's great. Did Baby Driver inspire that movie? I don't know.
1: That's a damn good movie though but we're getting (laughs) off the subject there.
0: (laughs) To me, this
1: was the first
2: record where it was kind of like half and half. Like, I thought half the songs were songs that if they came out I'd listen to and half the other songs I'd I'd probably push skip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This was probably the first record where I I would say that
0: happened. Well, Love Gun is up next uh, is this the first album that features Ace singing? Yep. So he finally and actually, this got the nerve. Up he did put re- it on
1: his back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Right. He didn't want right. anybody seeing it. In. Yeah.
2: Actually, this was the this in this record, all four members sing. So not only is it the nice. the first entry of Ace singing, yeah, all, all right. four of Hooligan. them sing on this record.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Same guy did the cover art. So if it you, you kind of. Uh,
1: Look the look and feel of the Love Gun and the Destroyer records, same mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, and that's and you know, like you said, that's another badass album cover.
2: You know, this was at the heart of their marketing too. I remember when you got this record, it had a, like a cardboard gun insert that you could you know <laughs> tear out and you have like a Love Gun. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> but, but it's they, not, they started, not a gun. They started putting all that stuff <laughs> in there, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's just, you know, you, you see them standing there and then there's all the all the women, you know, on their knees and, you know, you're like, oh, my man, that's awesome. I wish I was that badass.
2: Right. This this had a lot of variety, good and bad. There was uh, some iconic Kiss songs and then there were some that were just, like, odd. Like, yeah. okay,
0: well. Was this the first time they had a cover song on an album, I think? Unless I'm forgetting one of the other ones we talked about. Early right.
2: Before. Well, they had "Kiss Time" that they added later on the original record. That was a cover song.
0: Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Who originally did that? You know,
2: I know it was like some somebody in the fifties. It's like an
1: old, old song. Wow. soon we're done,
0: he's going to go. I'm going yeah. to. Yeah. See, yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, that's not a kiss song. song. They didn't write that.
1: Well, uh, was the cover on this? Was it "Then She Kissed Me"? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was originally. Which is another like yeah, fifty song. Yeah, well, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, true, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah, we got Christine Sixteen. Man, I I love that song, even yeah. though it's a little sketchy. But you know, it's I think great. <laughs> well, so that
2: this Kiss Vault stuff, you know, Gene's talking about releasing yeah. all this, apparently has the recordings he did with uh, the Van Halen brothers. Yeah, and they're the original demo track of Christine Sixteen was Eddie Van Halen. Wow. And apparently, the solo that Ace ends up playing is pretty close to what Eddie had laid down. It was insane. just so good.
1: Gene was like insistent, like, you need to play wow. this. But, <laughs> God, I can't imagine Ace really trying to do some of that stuff.
2: Well, that on this song, it's very melodic. It's uh, in the Ace okay. style. Okay, it's gotcha. very sing-song gotcha. melodic. It's not oh, real super technical stuff. I see. Okay. The Got Love for Sale and "Christine 16 were both tracks that uh, the Van Halen brothers apparently played with wow. Gene. And that's well, on the well. vault,
0: Supposedly.
2: I, I think it was supposed to be part of that release in the involved, but I've I've seen interviews with Gene talking about those guys being on those songs. Yeah, that's cool. I've yeah. never heard of them. Yeah, but well, you happy. know,
1: three thousand bucks will deliver it to no you. Thanks. Cool. Oh, yeah. oh, $2, 000, no thanks. That was two thousand. Sorry. So. I like <laughs> I, I stole your love. Yeah, about, man, that's what I was about to say. I, I love I, that song, and that's a cool album album opener. And mm-hmm. they they, op- they used to open shows with that. And that's just awesome. That's a great song. Yeah,
2: and then shocked me is my favorite oh, man. one of my favorite kiss songs of all time it is my favorite absolute favorite ace fraley guitar solo yeah um i when i'm noodling around at the house probably two three times out of four times when i'm just jamming around warming up i play that yeah. solo <laughs> i just love it love it love it that's awesome <laughs> it's a great song it's yeah. classic yeah. just ask, ask Buckcherry. buck cherry they Ripped that riff oh, off. Oh man,
0: yeah, it sure <laughs> did. It's, I, I never even put that correlation together until I heard someone on Sirius like years ago talking about it, right? I was like, oh, I guess, and, yeah. then, <laughs> and
1: then I went and heard lit up, and I'm like, how did I not, yeah, how did I not notice that? Yeah, because it's like so just damn near note for note, right. it's insane, it's you know, very close. Yeah, they, they need to, um. They, they need to find uh, hey, a, a sandwich, you it's know. Like yeah. is
0: the greatest form yeah. of
1: flattery, so.
0: Well, they're just another one of those thousands of bands that grew up on. Mm-hmm. S- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: well, I was going to say Plaster Casters is a great song. I mm-hmm. love that. And, you know, it's about making a mold of your dick. Why right. not? Why right. not? <laughs> right.
0: And so. Almost Humans, your favorite Kiss song of all time, correct?
1: Uh, sure. Okay. Right. That's
2: a cool song. That <laughs> one's a li- that was when I was talking about it, it gets a little weird. Yeah, I hate um, me, you know. It's a weird kind of song. I always liked it though, and I'd heard I saw an interview with Paul Stanley when they were asking him some of his you know favorite kiss songs of all time and, and Love Gun was one of the ones he mentioned as one of his
1: personal favorites. So that, that that's a good one. It really is.
0: What's that movie with Stiffler, Yeah, Stiffler. Um, Whatever his real name is, where he's telling the kid, listen to this song. It's called Love Gun, but it's about his cock. <laughs> I know what movie
1: you're talking about. I can't remember. they I were can't... like counselors or something. Right. Yeah, yeah but he was. A, he had the Kiss pinball machine in his apartment. Okay. I mean, that would be awesome if we could all have that. Yeah. Well, this was the last of what I would consider the
2: classic Kiss era. I, I get that for sure. Songs. After this, then it, they lost their way yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Until Creatures of the Night, then they kind of re-centered themselves, but...
0: Well, yeah, when you talk about all these albums in a row, when you go into Dynasty, that's the first change. As far as, you know, the other stuff had... They were starting to branch out a lot, Mm -hmm. but Dynasty is the first time that really... Yeah. Here's something completely different. You know what I mean? It's got a different feel, but it's got good songs to it as well. Right. I really like the guitar sound, you know, throughout this. I don't know what... Something about it just struck me as different as previous, but... I mean,
1: well, uh, I mean, 2000, man. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. That, that's, I mean, that's, that's a that's great, a, that's Rolling a great Stone song.
0: song. Oh man. Did you know that's a Rolling Stone song? No, I didn't. Oh, is man. it? See, mm-hmm. see, yeah. this is,
1: this, this is what, this is what happened. Yeah. You, <laughs> you should know? go back and listen to the original I, too, because it's different. But I didn't even know that. And I'm like 40 years old and I'm fucking know all this shit about music. I didn't even fucking know that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, anyways.
0: But I sang it so it's good.
1: Yeah, I mean the end. so there you go. And this is this is also, may I just add, this is where I'm I bow out a little bit because I listened to these so long ago. It starts getting sketchy for me until about ooh, the mid eighties. So
0: You're you not know. supposed to say that, these people don't know that. Hey, I'm just trying to be
1: honest, you know. I'm just trying to be honest. I know everything and I know nothing. Okay? <laughs>
0: Was well, there a Charisma's on here? We heard Gene oh, yeah, Simmons he live that last year. year. Yeah, we saw a solo show. Right, but I mean, are there songs on here you dig? Or well, before we jump to there, we got to hit alive. live. Live
2: two, yeah. Let's hit a live. Are we doing it? We didn't do a live two. You didn't do a live nah. two. Well, yeah. Let's. T- I'll <laughs> talk about live two. Later. Okay, we're we'll talking about. It.
0: How can we you don't... skip a live two? Well, generally on these things we do, we skip all live albums, but we uh, included live because it was so classic. Yeah, all, so I'll, all I'll say
2: about live two was, <laughs> at first I didn't really get, you know, why you already did a live. What are you doing? But it was kind of the compilation of all the songs from the records Sets. after a yeah. live one, and then they put, you know, um, like five tracks on studio cuts, and right. um, that's where you see Bob, you know, Kula's gotcha. first showing up. Except the rocket ride song, and uh, I think three of the five Bob is confirmed to have played on. So this was one that they definitely um, pretty strong um, evidence to suggest that a lot of those were recorded during sound checks, and then they just really? the pipe, you know, piped in stuff. So yeah. and then I know you guys weren't going to talk about the solo records, but Ace ruled the solo <laughs> record award. <Yeah. laughs> Oh, well, I think we could all agree on that. Well, and it's kind of a... If you if you think about, like, no band had done that before and no band had done that since, it's a big risk. Mm-hmm. But what a cool concept yeah. to be like, let's see what everyone's got in terms yeah. of their influences. And
1: I, I always thought it was a really super cool idea that they did that. Um, it, but, wasn't that a thing where I think it was, you know, Ace and Peter kind of wanted to bail? Right. And... And they came up with this idea: get it all out of your system, do whatever kind you of want. placate them, right? Keep it under the name, though, and, right? And that, that that kept them around
2: a little longer. And I think they all needed a break from each other. Probably. That was the other part of that. So yeah, definitely, but and then we go to D- Dynasty. So you're two years out since the Love Gun record had been released. It had, had a lot of distractions. And that's um, the biggest
0: gap by far since right.
2: Started. Oh yeah, and so then you come out with a record. The, you know, the disco era is just getting crazy, oh, so man. KISS goes disco, you know. I was made for loving you. It's a great song, but it's like, that's, oh my God, I can't believe KISS did this song. Now,
1: well, well, and the same thing with Sure Know Something, that still has the, that's definitely got the disco which vibe. I really had kind of
2: written that song off and forgotten about that song until Unplugged. Yeah, when they did that oh, song on yeah, Unplugged
0: again, right. I'm like, man, that was a great song, Yeah. I, well, uh, and I liked it better on unplugged than the right
1: record. was it the video for that or I was made for loving you? He's got the um, he's got the pink blouse on Paul Stanley mm-hmm. with the rest of the kiss makeup. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, what are you doing? <laughs> so on this record, um, no Peter Chris at all. This was all Anton Figg playing really. Drums. See, I was about to ask you when was it that they started doing that with the drummers? It was this and record, okay, was
2: when. Chris was like, from this on, they he wasn't re- appearing, but they were using his likeness on the marketing, and he was still playing live. Wow! But he did not play on this record. Well, they according he to Kiss Lord,
0: so that's the only thing he contributed was his vocals. Yeah, I'm guessing.
2: Wow. Um, they, uh, the I love that 2000 man. I know you guys talked about it to me. That was the highlight of this record, and then the whole. This was the era where they were all getting distracted with the marketing and all that. And Ace has, has talked about in interviews how, you know, they would they would have all these business meetings about lunch boxes and trash cans. And he's like, "I just want to play rock and roll." Yeah. You know what are you guys doing? Yeah. But uh, you guys ever see that Tom Snyder interview in '79? No. Where Ace I, is just I've heard about it and I lit. I, I want to look it up. <laughs> So at the same time this era him all four of them go on the Tom Snyder show and they start interviewing him and Ace is lit and just cracking jokes and loud and it's 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 a great moment in Kiss history cuz it's 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 hilarious to watch him but the whole time this look on Gene's face man he's just glaring at him like I, I got to see this beat I'm gonna see your this. liver <laughs> <laughs> and Ace is just clowning the whole time it's great
1: you gotta go watch it uh what was it I think it was I can't remember it was on one of the podcasts I listened to it might have been Jericho they were talking about how some photo photo shoot the Christmas one where they're all wearing like the Santa hats mm-hmm. and stuff like Ace was completely out of it mm-hmm. you know and like right in between snaps he'd like lean over and puke right and <laughs> put his put his Santa hat back on and that's insane. I mean, that's, that's fucking rock and roll, isn't it? This is definitely when they were uh, kind yeah. of unraveling oh, as yeah. a band. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, Unmask is next. It's the first album of the 80s.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, what do y'all think? Well, we talked about this before we did we kind of kicked this thing off. Yeah. When I went back and listened to it, it was better than I remembered it. Yeah. But I didn't think it was that good. It's very uh, slick pop record yeah the sound was there was a lot of external writers on this record contributing and it just wasn't a KISS record to me wow in terms of what I expect as a KISS fan
1: what I would expect as a KISS fan it it seemed like you know I was just listening to it before you got here Mm -hmm. and it seemed to me some of it kind of sounded like um, you know rock and roll music beds that they would use over like commercials or right. like on the news or something that it kind of struck that you know right. and so it's funny you say that about outside writers and stuff
2: I know my girlfriend's favorite song is Torpedo Girl <laughs> and like it was so unmemorable to me her and I was, I lost a bet with her she's like my favorite song is Torpedo I said like, never wrote a song called Torpedo Girl oh, she's too. like yes they did he sang and I was like no he didn't and I was like oh god <laughs> yeah, I you, totally lost that bet. You ate crow on that. I one, I did my totally, <laughs> totally. I did. I so give give her that shout out on that one, but it was not my favorite record. But I will say again, when I listened to it for this podcast, it was better than I remembered. It wasn't no. quite as bad as I thought.
1: Well, uh, what what was the single? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't, <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah, no kidding. Well, after I listened Might to have this, been I actually, Sandy, yeah.
0: I Googled tomorrow to see if Rick Springfield wrote it. Because <laughs> right. it sounds exactly like a Rick right. Springfield song. Right. <laughs> the nose written by Paul Stanley and someone else. But, like, I mean, to me, I don't dislike it, but there's just right. so many better albums that sound like pop albums from the early 80s that right. i listened to before. Yeah, those, right. You know? Yeah.
2: And this is the, um, when they went out on tour, this was when Eric Carr came in the picture. Gotcha. So he was part of this uh, yeah. tour support.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. The Fox, right? So, what's next? The Elder. Oh yeah. What, what you've th- been waiting. Speaking for? of Eric Carr, hey, welcome to Kiss,
1: Eric Carr. <laughs> Here's your first record, The Elder. Oh man, can I you know. imagine? <laughs> He's like, you gotta wonder. If he's like, like, what the hell yeah, did I just
2: sign up yeah, to? What, man? what am I getting myself into? I'm thinking I'm getting ready to come play some Strutter or some Parasite, and we're gonna roll out. My first record is this turd nugget.
0: We're gonna roll so, out some fanfare. <laughs> for some reason, I thought Creatures of the Night was the first album he was on, but Uh-oh, so, so it was yeah. Well, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I looked the video for. Uh, the heat, uh, World Without Heroes. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Which
2: is probably, if if I'm, you're going to say what songs to me are listenable to this record, for me, mm-hmm. I could listen to World Without Heroes and the song I. I, yeah, that was or the two exactly that I'm like, all right, I can listen to these songs, but.
0: <laughs> I think I is the one song that everybody yeah. agrees See, is all right. See, <laughs> yeah. so the thing, you know, that I thought
1: was. Uh, it started out a little weird. The record did with the interludes and stuff, but it seemed to like. There's a couple songs that are all right. I mean, right. you know, they're they're decent rock songs. But I mean, it is definitely, a, whew, yeah. You
2: know, you reminded me of like a bad Renaissance fair <laughs> spoof. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. my yeah, fair maiden stuff with all the woodwinds, <laughs> which is kind of a nod back to their Wicked Lester roots. Yeah. But this is where they reunited with Bob Ezrin, and he had just done that's Pink right, Floyd's right, The Wall, yeah. so he did this epic record with Pink Floyd, and I think Kiss kind of got sucked into, well, we want well, we to do our epic record so, of yeah. The Wall, oh, and no. they got caught into doing this whole storyline of, I don't know which one of them wrote it. I don't know. <laughs> Probably Gene wrote like this story about this kid that's you know, fighting all these evil things yeah. and is like this hero. So they write this record around this whole concept, and it just didn't
1: work. No, no. It just didn't work. It, and I, the video, <laughs> was just the three of them with no ace.
2: Well, at this point, it was the it, final yeah. straw. He was getting outvoted. Yeah. Because
1: Eric didn't have a vote. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it was two two votes to
2: one, and he was getting voted down on everything. So he's like, all right, man. He's like, "Out." So right after that, they did. I know we're not going to really talk about the Killers' record, but they did that Killers thing, and I always joke that they, you know, they'd all cut their hair off. Yeah. On that Killers era, I'm like, they cut their hair they off did, in shame they? of the yeah. Elder. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. That's That's what
2: was,
3: it, shame. was. <laughs> it was Elder
0: shame. So. Well, the Elder's the first album without them on the cover. Something else to point out. Oh wow. It right. is. Yeah, I've been looking at each one of them and didn't even think about that. Yeah, but I, I'd, I'd also wrote down that I really dug the guitar solo in "Under the Rose." I can't remember it right now, but when I listened to it, I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's, if it's Bob or whoever it is, right, it could be Paul. But yeah, killers. I mean, I listen to those four songs. Mm-hmm. I'm a Legend Tonight. You know, is After the Elder. That's right back to the classic Kiss sound.
2: The Down on Your Knees song, man, is yeah, that's the best like one. Raw. Almost kind of reminds me of not Kiss, but Kicks.
0: Oh, it's yeah. kind of like that
2: raw, just gritty rock song. You know, that's who I think of when I hear that song. Yeah. But, you know, I like Down You're Using Nowhere to Run on that that, that deal. Uh, but the album photo was like, what the hell? Paul's got a weird headband on. They look <laughs> all over the place. They were just reeling direction-wise, you know.
0: Head-beamed. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <coughs> Well, um, wasn't that put out as like, it wouldn't put out in America at first, right? Or mm-hmm. it, it's just a Japan Right. Thing it was
2: somewhere overseas. It was yeah. kind of a stopgap to stop the bleeding a little bit with the fans' <laughs> reaction to The Elder. Yeah.
0: It was just... Why wasn't it released in America, Then I wonder? He knows. Yeah. He knows. Because you figure you'd want to keep those people around.
1: Right. But
2: I
0: mean... They turned around with Creatures of the Night and kind of did it. Yeah. Were able to...
2: Tenth record that they released. Um, My favorite record until Revenge. But when Creatures of the Night came out, it was like... And if you look at Kiss's history and you put it all on timeline, which we did on this podcast. So they start out with the classic Kiss sound... And over time, they lost their way. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, Creatures of the Night re-centers them in terms of what fans want as a KISS record. And Lick It Up is there, and then it starts fading a little bit again. You get into the weird, you know, we'll talk about them in a minute. And then, boom, Revenge kind of re-centers the fan base. So, like, if you look at their career, there's, like, three big moments that they're able to re-center their fan base around a record Mm -hmm. that's like, this is core KISS. And Creatures of the Night was that record. Yeah. And they needed it.
0: Which is impressive that they've done it more than once because a lot of bands can't pull that off. Yeah. I mean, Metallica's done it, Aerosmith did it, but you don't see that too often. You know? Well,
2: yeah, I have got to give Vinnie Vincent, he had a lot of writing credit on this. He yeah. kind of gave them a fresh mm-hmm. jolt yeah. on this record.
0: Yeah, Saint and Center is fucking great. Obviously, the title track.
2: Oh, yeah, that's... Keep Me Coming
0: has a really cool guitar riff.
1: I like every song on this record. I love it
0: loud, you know, it's classic as War. War
1: Machine, that's badass. Yeah. Love War Machine. It's it's a darker record.
2: Um and from a production standpoint, it's the the only record I've, I've ever heard that got that drum sound that they got for Eric Carr. It sounds gigantic. Yeah. And they've talked I saw Eric Carr talking about how they got it. They recorded him like this huge empty um I don't know if it was a warehouse or studio that basically, like they backed into like a doorway where he's like sitting here and it's just empty in wow. front of him. And so like those drums to I Love It you know, Loud, it's just boom, boom, bah. It's just so big sounding. huge. And throughout that whole record, they got this great drum sound from that. And the curious thing to me was why didn't they do that after that? Yeah. You know? It's Keep the it only up. record they did yeah. that on. <laughs> and
0: it's a very iconic sound. Because yeah. it wasn't Gene or Paul doing it
2: it's mm-hmm. one of the most consistent records start to finish for me it's as I already said it's it's probably my fav- favorite favorite until right. I, I like revenge too it's hard to yeah. not like revenge but up to this point it was my favorite kiss record
0: yeah I would put it kind of like you said that revenge in the first album that's the top three for me maybe the second album up there top four you know but
2: Ace was, you know, pretty much promo on this record. This has got a lot of contributions from, it wasn't just Bob Kulik, there were some other players that,
1: that contributed to this record.
0: Did you know Rock and Roll Hell was co-written by Brian Adams? I did not. Now you do? You know, wow, you do. <laughs> Interesting. Here's another side note okay. I just read. <laughs> <laughs> they re-released this in 85 and flipped the track listing of Saint and Sinner and Killer for some reason. That's weird. That's the only note I got, which is an unmemorable note. But. Yeah, is that, that's when they
2: released it and they put uh, Bruce Kulick on the cover. Like,
0: why would you do that? They changed oh, the they album did? cover. Yeah, yeah. Did it go back to original cover later on, I assume? No,
2: so I, I had both versions. The first version, obviously, was the, um, the the iconic version of all of them with the glowing eyes, which is a great album cover, yeah. And then the 85 version had... It was around the asylum era, uh, animalizer. Yeah. It was animalizer. Okay, thing. so it's got that era band on there, and then the back of it was a picture of one of them's butt, you know, in leather pants.
1: <laughs> had to be pulsed, right? I'm like, had to be. Uh,
2: whatever.
3: <laughs>
2: so I didn't. I never really understood why they felt the need to re-release that with a new cover, but yeah. they did.
0: Huh. All right, look it ups next, and this is this is the first album to officially not feature Ace, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, it's the although it although the-
2: if you were a Kiss fan, <laughs> well, like a die-hard, yeah. and you heard Creatures <laughs> of the Night, you knew that wasn't Ace playing. Yeah, I mean, even though he was in the video, even though he was on the, the all the marketing stuff, if he, especially if you were musically inclined, a guitar player, you're like, that's not Ace Riley playing guitar. Yeah, what are they? You know, what are they trying to sell me
0: here? <laughs> <clears throat> Well, this had them kind of turn to the eighties sound. You know, earlier they did that eighties pop sound, This this more mm-hmm. of the eighties rock sound,
1: right? And this was also the first no makeup
2: right. official, yeah,
1: right. Remember them going on MTV and yeah. the big reveal,
2: and they each had a, a name,
1: which yeah,
2: it was a cool moment, but it was also kind of like. A little deflating because the standpoint of there was only two original members of that
1: band. Yeah, yeah. You probably still wanted to know what... Right. I remember, and like right after
2: that, wasn't too far after that, like in guitar magazines, Ace Fraley got an endorsement with Washburn Guitars. It was like this big lightning... It was an ugly guitar. Sorry, (laughs) dude. I love you, but that was a weird (laughs) guitar. It was like a wash burn with this weird lightning bolt on it, and it was the first time I'd ever seen Ace without makeup on. Really? And it was not too long after the Lick It Up stuff came out that you saw him now in marketing.
0: So when was it that people saw Peter Chris? you know? I don't
2: remember the first time I saw Peter Chris without his makeup. That's a good question. I don't know. It was mid-80s for Ace, Mm -hmm. a year or two after the Lick It Up stuff came out,
1: and I don't know about it. Peter, I don't remember that. I know there was, a, there was a thing where somebody was impersonating him and he went on some talk show to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that was later in the 80s or in the early 80s. I can't remember. So I don't, that might have been it. I don't know though. Well, it's hard to believe that in at, at 1983, they've done
2: so much material, so many records, but you're only talking about nine less than 10 years from when they, they yeah, first hit the exactly market. You know. Yeah. They, they covered had, so much ground. So much under their belt. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You know, they hit the heights, they hit the lows and, you know, they were making their comeback, the creatures of the night. Look it up to me was a continuation. It had some marketable songs. We'll yeah. Look it up. All hell's breaking loose. Were the, those were the two singles that I remember from this record. Mm-hmm. Um, but edgy, heavier record. Uh, I agree with you in terms of it was kind of the the heavier side. And I think Vincent was probably a huge part of these two records. His writing credit in terms of the impact he had, like I'll lick it up. He he has writing credit on eight of the 10 songs. Yeah. So to me, it's a big part of why these two records sounded differently than what, what they had, had been playing.
0: I I, overall, I love this album. Mm. I mean, I did too. It's just one of those ones I just forgets. I, I hadn't really listened to it since I don't know when until we did this thing. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many songs I forgot about, you know, like a million to one fits like a glove mm-hmm. on the eighth day. Fits like a glove, man. I
2: love that song. I remember <laughs> they used to play that live a lot.
1: Yeah.
2: It's a great song live. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is shred fest. This is Shred era. So, yeah, you know, 80s, as so. much as I love Ace, um, and the iconic tone and the the phrasing he has, uh, having a guy like Vinnie Vincent come in was a a, a cool thing. And then, and when Bruce comes in after him, oh yeah, you got two very yes. technically gifted guitar players that really could carry forward in that genre.
0: And Rick Derringer played the solo on Exciter.
1: Yeah, Rick Derringer. Jeez. <laughs> I'm learning so much. This is like a class for me, you know. Right. I'm just going to let you two take the rest of it. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> well, dude. no, we you. You got a lot to say about <laughs> Sonic Boom. I mean. Oh, anyways.
0: <laughs> well, after that, we got Animalize, and this is where Mark St. John shows up, right? That, right.
1: That was my question. When, when exactly was it? Yeah, he was. He
2: recorded the record,
1: but this is also. Where you first see the influence
2: of Desmond Child. Okay. Yeah. So that from here on card. out, you know, Animal Eyes, and then when we get to like Crazy Nights and you know Smashes and three hits and Hot in the Shade, it's like the Desmond Child show. He should have been the fifth unofficial member of Kiss in that era. Mm-hmm. He started writing a lot of their 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 stuff then, but. um And I know overall
0: you don't have you're not a big fan of most of that stuff, right? I it's started to become,
2: I like that's Asylum. It. You know, we get to Asylum, we'll talk about some of the songs on that one. Animalize to me, was, You Had Heavens on Fire it was a huge song. Yeah, yeah, that was. I like, I've Had Enough Into the Fire, that's a cool song, yeah,
3: it's been and Under great the Gun.
2: Film. After that, man, <laughs> I could not hear the rest of this record and be okay. I, it just <laughs> was not my favorite record. It just, although I love the lyric in uh, while the City Sleeps, where Gene's like, Living, living well is the best revenge. So give them hell. I used to always just love <laughs> nah. that part of that song. But um, the backstory in Animal Eyes that I remember was this is the era that Gene because they took the makeup off, so it was a game changer. Yeah. So now Gene can be in movies and he can start doing this whole other thing. And if you read, you know, the stuff in Paul Stanley's book, he talks about. Yeah. He felt like he was a lone ranger, yeah. and he basically put Animalize together himself. Gene was, according to Paul, largely absent during this era. And not only not in the songwriting, but also even just playing like the bass lines. That so this Animalize was largely Desmond Child's song contributions,
1: coupled with Paul Stanley trying to piece together a record. Mm-hmm. So. Right. well, and and. Like you just said, Paul's always said he's he's been the only one that's ever been all kiss all the time, right. you know. And he he does that, I think, to poke Gene a little bit. But he's he's it's right. True. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It and it work. wasn't, and
2: you know, Gene, God love you, man. It wasn't like he was putting out great movies. Some of those movies yeah. were pretty sketchy. Right? <laughs> Should have <laughs> been focused <laughs> on kiss. Just
1: kidding, man. No, no, we're not. He's like I. That,
2: that one? What movie was that? Where he was like the transvestite villain? Oh. I was like Gene, what yeah. are you doing, man? What are you doing? <laughs> that to me was like the elder. Like what are you doing?
0: I never saw that, but I remember reading was it, about it. It was
2: it wasn't Runaway. Runaway. He was like a villain too, but there was another movie where he was like this transvest hermaphrodite villain thing. It was
1: weird. Wasn't there one where like he was a he was like a Preacher and Ozzy Osbourne that was, was in Trick there. or Treat that okay. was actually cool yeah, yeah, he was the DJ that okay that's that movie's uh, badass okay that was yeah. the
2: one movie I've seen him in that I'm like oh I loved it I loved his work in that movie nice okay but okay. Runaway was okay <laughs> and there was an I can't think of the movie I'm thinking about he was just like this weird villain it was very odd
0: We should watch all those movies in a row and talk about Oh, Oh, God. God.
2: We're not watching that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That'd be rough.
2: Right. I just felt like this record was very Mm -hmm. Uh, one-dimensional. Yeah, because I
0: guess what? Up to that point, you had the Gene and the Paul mix-up as far as the sounds go, and this one, you didn't have that?
2: Yeah, to me, you know, the first two songs I liked, Under the Gun, was a cool song to me. Guess what? All three of those songs, Desmond Child had writing credit
0: on. Yeah.
2: You know, well,
0: yeah. Eric Carr did too on Under the Gun, right? But yeah, I mean, I love the guitar riffs, and I've had enough in Under the Gun. But the like record sold a lot
2: because of Heaven's on Fire. Yeah, I mean, it was such a, such a cool single.
0: Yeah, when I was a kid, that was probably my favorite kiss song for yeah. a little bit until Revenge came out, and then right, that was, then I went backwards, and obviously,
1: that was definitely a hit that had the whole. It sounded like, you know, the the hair bands and the, you know, the the fun kind of riff and, oh yeah. Well,
0: next up we got Asylum. and
2: So, (laughs) Asylum was, it's one of my uh, favorite records for reasons of what was going on at that time as a kid, as a KISS fan. This was my first uh, live concert. I'd been to you know, different live music events, but like a full-blown rock production. This was the first one I actually got to. I was supposed to go to, like, Billy Otto right before that, and he canceled <laughs> the concert. And uh, so Kiss and Ted Nugent in, in 85 and Asylum, and they opened the tour in Little Rock, Arkansas. So we got to see the opening oh, of the wow. tour. What's wow. cool. And They had these gigantic, like, lightning bolts coming off the stage. And it was a, you know, Kiss, they always had big productions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, this record has a lot of special things just because of those memories. But I thought Bruce Kulick and Eric Carr just shine on this record. Mm. The guitar work is exceptional. I'm a huge, you guys know I'm a huge Ace fan, but I'm going to give it up to Bruce Kulick on this record. The guitar work is exceptional. The musicianship to me was probably as good as they ever were
3: yeah.
2: on this record, just from pure just playing ability. Um the, the stuff they played, um, just very strong record, man. I I, I like this record.
0: We well, are yeah, coming out of animalize. It was more just that UJ's rock sound, you know. Yep. And sorry, I drew a blank one was going to say tears are falling. You know, is the big hit from here, right? And I f- can't help it. I freaking love that. Yeah, and, yeah. all night. You know, it's kind of uh, corny, but mm-hmm. I can listen to it. It doesn't yeah. piss me off. Right. <laughs>
2: Well, tears have fallen. The, the guitar solo in that song is probably
1: Bruce Bruce Kulick's finest work. Yeah. It's one of the coolest solos. One of the things I always I've said before, in various you know times, what I like about Bruce Kulick is he straddles that line of like good tasty guitar and mm-hmm. then like shreddy kind of stuff. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. go too far the, the one way. <laughs> right. I really like guys that do that. You know, and he he does it. Awesomely.
0: Well, we've mentioned a name, his name a bunch of times, and we didn't say this is the first album they played on, right? Even though he showed up partway through the he um, had, he had, the Animalize tour, right? Yeah,
2: we, I've seen an article where he said he had some uncredited work on Animalize. Hmm. Okay, um, I'm not exactly sure which tracks he played on, but you know he gets interviewed a lot about how during Animalize uh, they took both him and Mark St. John on tour, and you know, Mark was having problems with his health that were affecting, you know, the nerves and things in his hands and that they were giving him every chance to earn the job. But, you know, they had Bruce in the wings Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like they would alternate those guys from time to time and how difficult that was for It was an awkward situation, but in those interviews, he's talked about he did some work on Animal Eyes. It's uncredited.
0: And Paul Stanley played bass on Tears of Fallen, just so you know. Really? There you go. Well, now we got CJ's favorite album, Kiss, Crazy Nights. Oh, my God. I hated this
2: record. I was in synthesizer hell. But see, what I want to know is
0: how can you not like Crazy Nights since it's a song for everybody out there?
1: Oh, my God. I hated this song. I hated this record. Nothing's going to change me.
0: And I'm, I'm
2: a huge Kiss fan, man. And this one came out and I was like, first... The look they had gotten so glammy yeah. between uh, Asylum and, and Crazy Nights, but the synthesizers on this record just made it my least. It, it was like they tried to take what Bon Jovi was doing and like, well, let's Bon Jovi's like right now the biggest band in the mm-hmm. late eighties. Let's try to <laughs> replicate some of that in in our sound with all the synthesizer stuff. And uh, once again, they're pulling away from their core rock fan base who's always stood by them. And you're pulling away from that again and giving us this syrupy sweet,
0: almost sickening pop record. Yeah, it was the easily yeah the most eighties yeah eighties quote of any of the albums. You say
1: synthesizers, CJ, and I definitely I was I noticed I was like, wow yeah, this is this is really uh it it kind of was it was bothersome to the ear. Um, because, because you, you, you liken that to all the, the pop radio, you know, the real poppy stuff that was going on. And Bruce Kulick's talked about though, if you listen to some of the guitar work, he was shreds on this record. Yeah,
2: this, Some of the songs on this, this record, I think are some of his, you know, finest work. I, the, is it no, 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 where he does that guitar solo shred thing in front of it. I think I it's that remember. song. He does a lot of cool technical stuff on this record. They were starting to turn him loose, just like go be you, man. And so uh, he did a lot of cool stuff on that. But I just felt like I'm the I'm that core hard rock Kiss fan yeah. that wants them to sound like the first records and Creatures of the Night and Revenge all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so when they go too far from that, then I start going, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, I'm I love all that stuff, but I. Dig a lot of this stuff, and like if they say right now, hey Trent, make our set list for tomorrow mm-hmm. night, I'd put a lot of shit in there just because you can never see it live, yeah. right? Well, not specifically from this album, but I just meant from the 80s, period. yeah, definitely. I
2: didn't even go, <laughs> like, when they came through our town on this tour, I didn't go, wow. I was <laughs> like, I didn't want to go, I was, I was <laughs> revolting. <laughs> you didn't want to see Turn On the Night Live, I know it's so that was... 80s that it's fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. Now,
0: I got to mention Reason to Live because that's obviously you can tell that. Desmond Child had mm-hmm. hands all over that. So, but that song sounds like Forner. I do I, 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 dude, right here. I wrote. It, I wrote my notes. I'm
2: like, did Forner write this? It's like I want to know what love is. That's what it makes
0: me think of. Yeah, it's like there's nothing about this that sounds anything but Forner. And then Paul singing his voice, you know,
2: <laughs> it's a great radio. Hit. Yeah, I mean, I can't say it's not, but it's not. It's probably the best song on that record to me. Uh, when I made notes of this record, I gave that song two stars, which to me was an indication of it was, to me, the best song on the record. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't kind a of one-star song. Two stars. Point. No. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> well, Hot in the Shade followed this up. Kicks off. Is Rise to Hit the first track? I? Yes, it and sure is. I, I used to not like this song at all. Right. Like, nowadays, I... I think it's fine. It mm-hmm. just keeps the the shit on here for some reason. I,
1: I always liked it. I mean, I thought it was, you know, a fun song. Um, I told you earlier, I can't, I cannot not mention the video is cheesy as hell when they're like grabbing each other's chins and singing to each other or whatever. And I'm like, what I the fuck is question. that all about? And it was, that was one of those, it was awkward to watch that. So that was weird, but I still liked the song. Um, you know, I like Hide Your Heart. So, Mm -hmm. you know. I absolutely love Hide Your Heart. Yeah.
0: It's probably my favorite of the 80s songs. So how (laughs) many other
1: artists covered that song?
2: Do you remember? Hide Your Heart? Yeah. That song, there was like several, like right after that came out, like several other artists, there was a country version of it. And (laughs) I've I've heard, I know two versions of it. I think there were three versions in that same year, year and a half era that came out. Yeah.
1: Wow. I got it. Another thing I got to look up. That's insane.
2: Which I always thought was the craziest thing, but then when you figure out
1: Desmond Child wrote it, he probably yeah. allowed other people he, to use it. But yeah, I mean, he let anybody, you know,
0: the price is right. Right. Molly Hatchett did it.
1: There was a country artist
2: that did it the exact same year. Wow. That Kiss, like within months of that video coming out,
1: a country version of it came out, and I was like,
2: what the hell is this?
1: <laughs> That's so, it's so odd when you hear that kind of thing in like the same year, the same couple years. Usually when people do a cover, it's something older. It's just weird when you hear that. To me, it is. So this came out in 89 and this was the year that I went to
2: Hollywood. And, um, we walk into a music store one time and I hear this guy back there playing guitar, like acoustic and he's playing. We're not even paying much attention. We're up at the front of the store. And then I hear him say, yeah, Paul, Paul doesn't think I can play acoustic guitar, but see, you know, something to that effect. And up stands Bruce Kulik Wow. in the back. So I'm like, oh, you know, that's great, man. You, I love Kiss, man. We're huge Kiss fans. So that's the first time I ever got a chance to meet, you know, Bruce Kulick, And um, that was the first time he played acoustic guitar on a Kiss record. So I was really? like, that was kind of ironic that I walk in as he's telling the guy that that's owns the music store, yeah, not, Paul doesn't even premise. think I could play acoustic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I met him in, in Hollywood that year. This was the longest record they did. There was fifteen tracks. Wow. Yeah. Um, Tommy Thayer, apparently, I've heard him talk about. He actually has some credits on this record that were yeah. uncredited. Apparently, well, he played on Betrayed and the Street Giveth.
1: Yeah, because he, you know, they they helped Black and Blue come up, and I know he always worked with Kiss. Did you and, ever see them? uh, just at Rocklahoma Tommy here. Thayer wasn't
2: there. You know, I but, saw him in 85 yeah, on that no, asylum tour. They opened the show. Really? Uh, it was black and blue. I know Ted played that. There was probably another band. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I remember seeing Tommy play 85 wow. with black and blue, man. Now, 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 <laughs> Jamie St. James. Oh Samaria. God. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Jeez. But, um, I was going to say, uh, Forever wasn't that uh, Michael Bolton helped him write that? Yeah, yeah. Michael yep. Bolton, yeah. right? Little note there. This is where so, I'll insert the audio
0: clip of Paul saying that every time we play this one, the place lights up like a damn Christmas tree. Right, <laughs>
2: right. So uh, another story of the going out to Hollywood, and you mentioned Michael Bolton. So we go in. You know, back then. I was blessed. I had all of my long hair and yes. all that stuff. So we go in this place. Uh, we're going to get our hair, you know, taken care of. And uh, it's the same place that Gene went.
3: Yeah. I didn't
2: know this until the guy we were working with was telling us about like all the local rock stars and stuff that he did, you know, cut hair, colored hair, did hair extensions. Yeah. Whatever. And, and he was telling us, you know, about Gene's, uh, how stuff he would do for Gene's hair. And we walk out. Michael Bold's sitting there. Okay. He's one of the
1: clients too. So <laughs> did he have that like amazing? He was like the big yeah, it was yeah. One, yeah
2: yeah yeah. But I always thought that was kind of a, another uh, you know cool fact in terms of the small circle, even in a big city like Hollywood. Yeah, there he is. There's just all this uh, cross section and synergy around <laughs> certain people. And this guy, his name was Glenn. I can't remember his last name. But it was right about the su- time that Gene got with, uh, uh is her name Shannon? The, the
0: lady's with oh, me. And Shannon Tweed. Yeah, Shannon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was followed up by Smash, Thrashes, and Hits, which we've already kind of mentioned. Yeah, with yeah. With the two new studio tracks. Did you date both those? Or did you? Um, <laughs>
2: uh, you talking about X and Sex? No, yeah. I like that one. Rock Hard. I mean, Desmond Child songs. Um,. It was less synth driven. Uh, and, you know, I, I just, I, at that point, I had decided that Desmond Child was the fifth, you know, they talk about the fifth Beatle. He was the fifth Kiss member at this yeah. point. Yeah. So all the hit songs he'd written for him.
0: Well, now we've got revenge. Nice. This is where, it-
1: this is, uh, for us, this is one of my favorite records of anything. Right. You know, I mean, and, I I don't know I mean take it away I don't even know where to start
0: well I think when you talk about all these albums in a row there was kind of that progression of last few albums we talked about that's like really 80s and then Hot in the Shade kind of gets a little bit heavier yeah which leads into this which is totally heavier but it's there was at least a noticeable progression of getting to where they're at now yeah well it's it's like they
1: they brought in heavier stuff, but then you'd have like, you know, take it off mm-hmm. or, you know, um, you know the, every time I look at you, the ballad. Right. And, and so, and uh, they really had that. I mean, not only, you know, there's a lot of bands, you know, that have been around for a long time where you can see as times change, they kind of change with it. Sometimes it looks corny. You know, and sometimes it did for Kiss, but somehow, you know, when they, you know, grew the goatees and put on the leather and black and all this kind of went meaner, it still worked because this album is amazing. So, you know. I love this record. Yeah, it's so good. The
2: the only, uh, the only song I hate on this record is God Gave Rock and Roll. I don't like those anthem kind of songs. (laughs) I feel like there were several times that Kiss tried to recreate rock and roll all night kind of anthemy or shout-it-out-loud kind of a song. And this was one It just always felt forced to me, kind of cheesy. But the record, top to bottom, I mean, Gene freaking rules yeah. on this. He came out. It was like the Gene Simmons that we've missed yeah. all these years. Every song he sings on this record is the shit. I mean, spit, come on. And when I went back and listened to it as part of this, I re-remembered. You know, how much, like a song like Thou Shalt Not, I love that song. It's so just in your face and hard rocking. I reconnected with that when I had forgotten Mm. that song and kind of forgotten how much I liked that song. But every one of his songs, man, he freaking owned this record.
0: Yeah, Unholy is one of my absolute favorite Mm. Kiss songs of all time. Yeah. And that's another... When they brought back Danny Vincent, right? Vinny returns. He did. That. He wrote that in Heart of Chrome, right? With him. He returned and Kane Roberts. Ray and I just wanted to. Sorry, from Allison
2: Chain's era, he he uh, had writing credits on Take It Off, which was a great Paul song on this record. Yeah, uh, there were a couple tracks they wrote that didn't make the record. I, I saw an interview with Paul with like Dave the Snake Sabo and Janie Lane. They worked on some stuff with those guys that didn't oh, make wow. the record. It's a very Gene-heavy
1: record. Yeah. Um, I I love the Eric Carr drum solo. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's awesome. Um, What is the, I was going to ask, what's the story again on God Gave Rock and Roll to You, but it's two? Was there like like a...
0: It's a a cover. Okay. So I think that's the point of putting the two there.
1: Oh, uh-huh. I don't is know. Cover? That's, that's weird. Yeah, but they see. I knew. I knew I it was didn't know a it was cover. Or okay, or they it was,
0: did. It was called like what's that band's name? It starts with an A. Uh, oh God! But, but well, they, I just uh, pulled up the thing a minute ago. Who was? It? it says Russ Ballard is one of their writers. Okay, I didn't know it was a cover. So, and, give but a little they have writing credit. credits on it because they? they changed a lot of it.
1: Wow. I I, I hated that song. because uh, it, it was like on this. It was like on a Bill and Ted movie or something. Yeah. For, yeah. It first or, came out. It on It was bogus. <laughs> totally bogus. Sorry, man. I love the rest of the record.
0: Hey, I I like it. I'm not gonna lie to you. But I like it was the majority of these songs better. Like Domino. Oh yeah. When I was oh, yeah. when I was when this came out, that was song on there.
2: That's a cool song. Yeah. Spit. Freaking. Domino, I mean, how many club strip clubs have you ever been in and not heard Domino? Yeah, no, right. A, like every strip club I've ever been in, I've heard Domino. <laughs> <laughs> and Take It Off is perfect for it. Right. Entire. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, this is one of those albums I'd drive far and wide across the country to see him play it. Like if like they played entire. from start to finish?
1: Yeah. I would go to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Well, when I was looking at the notes on it, it said that Tommy Thayer... Was an additional personnel as far as guitars go, but I don't know what they do. Yeah,
2: yeah. Right. It's kinda of hard to tell. I mean they they obviously weren't trying to, you know, publicize that stuff back when it happened and then mm-hmm. like as historians try to piece stuff together and you, you hear these guys talking interviews about well I was there and mm-hmm. you well, don't really know for sure who did what and when.
1: Why why would you need to bring someone else in if you got Bruce Kulick, you know? I mean I I don't know. Well, he, you know, they had Thayer involved
2: on Hot in the Shade and, you know, obviously going back to when the Ace era, Bob Kulick there, and one of my favorite stories about that was, I know we didn't talk about it when we were talking around the Alive 2 stuff, but Bob Kulick was uh, talking one time about how he's in the recording tracks and he walks out and Ace is sitting in the lobby with a glass of wine and is like, well, how did I sound?
3: <laughs> and Bob's like, better
2: than you ever have. You know? oh, I mean, how weird had that, yeah, no cut- was that back then? Awkward. You know, for the...
3: <laughs> but let's tell
2: you, you know, we could totally see Ace doing that too.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: totally. <laughs> well,
0: the next album they released was Unplugged. There was a
2: big break, too, between you know, yep. when you had it
0: was like three years
2: on revenge and then three uh, years,
0: and then when unplug comes out, and this to me is just you know I was at that point where I'd been pretty big fan now for a few years, so I just I absolutely love this uh-huh.
1: I really i think the the acoustic version of coming home is just amazing um. I dare say I like it better than the original one.
2: I do, too. I, there's nothing on this unplugged yeah. thing that I, I was not just blown away with. When they did this, it was so cool. And then when the Ace and Peter come out, you're like, holy yeah,
1: shit. It was really something.
2: Yeah. yeah the, and the fan reaction was so strong. That's what fueled the reunion Exactly. Tours, you know? So, great. They, they, great. Did a,
1: they did a world without heroes on this. I mean... <laughs> Wow,
2: yeah, there wasn't really anything they did that, that I wasn't crazy about. Yeah. I thought their Unplugged session was awesome. Yeah, that was... record, just like Alive. If you were going to just get a handful of Kiss records, get this one. Yeah. You know, it's a great, mm-hmm. great, great record.
0: And it's another one that Bruce Kulick shined on. Oh mm-hmm, uh, yeah, and like it was his final, basically final release. Pretty much. Or no, I take that back. We we'll one more after that. We got Carnival, <laughs> <laughs> right? But. Carnival of Souls, Mm -hmm. which would be the final release with Bruce Kulik before they went off to the reunion and everything. Right. even Eric Singer for a while. But I remember when it came out, I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't dislike it. And I just didn't listen to it for a long time. But going back, I mean, I dig it. it's really good. It's real
2: grungy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you could tell they were trying. It's really dark... And again, well, like I said, you know, they they kind of they're chameleons when it comes to this kind of era <laughs> stuff. But it's still because they're such great songwriters, it still sounds. You know, they still pull it off. Well, Bruce had a lot of input
2: on this record, and you know, a lot of ways. I know this probably is in some ways some of his favorite stuff because he got to really have a lot of contributions. He gets to sing a song. Yeah. You know, he sings the uh, I Walk Alone song and that to me has got a very King's x King's X feel to it. But, if when I hear the song In the Mirror, mm-hmm. Soundgarden could have recorded that song. It sounds like a Chris <laughs> Cornell Soundgarden song. Yeah. yeah. And Master and Slave, same way. Those songs to me are very reminiscent of that grungy, Soundgarden-y Kind of songs, and then the childhood end song. Yeah, that that, that was very. Weird. That's just a cool song. It is. And yeah. when this record came out, I'm like Trent. I was like, I'm not into this. But when it, we went back and re listened to it as part of this, there were several songs that I actually was like, I I kind of I kind of dig this.
0: But when it came out, you know, I mean, I love Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of bugged me, I guess, because of My like, kiss, kiss. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, going back once you're separated from that. It's
2: aged well. Yeah. You know, it's definitely been one of those records that over time you look back and you're like, it's a good record. You know, there were some good songs. It, I'm not going to say top to bottom. It was a strong record, but there's four or five songs off of there that I, I think have aged fairly well.
0: And you mentioned I Walk Alone. That to me sounds the most like natural of a song, like mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because who just had complete control over it. Yeah. Right. But that was also the biggest. You mentioned with Unplugged, but that was from '92 to '97, so that was the biggest gap, right? By far oh, yeah. of any releases they ever did as far as two albums go.
2: Just kind of seemed to me like they were saying, "Hey guys, we're getting ready to go on. You know, this reunion tour. This is probably the last thing we're going to do. Y'all spread your wings a little bit. Yeah. You know, you guys have a lot of leeway <laughs> on this record. <laughs> kind of like a parting shot for those guys. I don't know.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, for Bruce anyway. Right. Because then they, they brought Eric back later, but...
0: Well, Psycho Circus up next, and I remember the same kind of thing when that came out. I'm like, I don't care for this, even though it sounded more like Kiss than Carnival Souls. But going back, it's another one that I, I like now.
1: I always, you know, it had some real catchy stuff. And it sounded, <laughs> you know, and a lot of it to me, this record was kind of corny to me, but... It, like I said, there's a lot of catchy stuff. Raise Your Glasses and We Are One. It, it, I just, I liked it anyways. You know.
0: Well, it's the first album that really went back to the 70s style sound. Yeah. You know, since they left that, you know.
1: I
2: think there's only one track, though, that all four members appear. And, <laughs> yeah. I think it's pieced together and, and with a lot of session stuff. I know that a lot of this was just, like yeah. you said,
1: pieced together. But, you know, it, it came out nonetheless. think it was the Into the Void
2: song was the one that they all were on but it just seemed to me like it was a they were riding on the the momentum of Unplugged Mm -hmm. it was a a marketing let's let's ride this and make the most of it and give the fans what they want the 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 content on Psycho Circus to me wasn't that great um Into the Void, this classic Ace, I like that one. That's the one track I like. Psycho Circus, okay. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, that Pledge of Allegiance song, forget
1: it. (laughs) Or You Wanted the Best, you know, that kind of stuff. I hate those songs. Well, and that that Pledge of Allegiance thing kind of sounds like the anthemy thing you were talking about. Yeah, I'm not into that, man. It's like they're trying to manufacture another anthem. and Maybe I'm
2: the only person in the world that thinks that. And if I am, Sorry to the songwriters,
1: but it just wasn't working for me. I, uh, last night I searched, uh, some live sets from YouTube and there's some concert from Switzerland from six, seven years ago. And they opened with psycho circus. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you couldn't ask for a more anticlimactic opener. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't look like they were into it. The crowd was just, right. you know, they were just staring. I mean, for for an opener, they should have. Ah, they should have picked something else. This is what, and, and that's a decent song, like you said, but still, I, yeah, I don't know. Oh
0: well, yeah, they played it live when I saw them last year. Oh yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it was in the middle of the set, yeah. so people were fine with it. I didn't see anybody looking pissed off. But mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been weird to like open a show. With. No kidding.
2: I was still such a Kiss nerd when this happened. Like they premiered it right on the radio, mm-hmm. some station that I was you know tuned into and I freaking was like waiting to hear it you know it's like this is the Kiss record I haven't heard since I was a little kid (laughs) and then I'm like so Psycho Circus you know comes on I'm like I like that song and then it just went down (laughs) here like halfway through the premiere I'm like I just turned it off like no (laughs) no I'm sorry man (laughs) (laughs) you crushed my dreams (laughs) And then, you know, years later, I, I read that it wasn't even all four of them, and I was like, well, yeah, there, it makes well, there sense. you go. Yeah. The one song that's my favorite is the song they were all on, <laughs> Into the Void.
0: <laughs> well, Sonic Boom comes out. I mean, I have no input on this one. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. i not a fan. I thought it was a, a decent continuation of the sound, you know, mm-hmm. like if, trying to make that classic sound, but it's. I thought the song "Never Enough" had the most classic Kiss sound of anything since yeah since the mid eighties, probably. You know? well now this is this is the first one
1: with like Tommy and Eric and all that, right? Right. Of course, and I, to me, it's like I don't know. It's it's like a I I I like these last two records, Sonic Boom and Monster. I like them better than Psycho Circus, but it's just like i listen to it as if it's a just it's not kiss i listen to it as like it's a pretty cool rock band that are you know they got some good rock songs on here and the, they sound great but i mean yeah i i don't know i, I mean it's just like i like it but it's just not the same i feel bad for tommy because he's very
2: good yeah oh yeah yeah definitely. and I, you know i know he gets a lot of grief about doing the ace persona and all that kind of stuff but I I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. If Kiss called me up and said, "Hey, you want to go on world tours with us and wear Ace Fraley shit," I'd be like, "Yeah." You know. <laughs> yeah. So I can't be hate. I can't you know be faulting him or hating him for that. But I feel bad for him in some ways because he is so talented mm-hmm. that he didn't really get to c- contribute on a, an iconic record like Bruce Kulick did or Penny yeah. mm-hmm. Vincent did. That in a lot of ways he'll he'll probably never really have his own due. As being a member of KISS. Because this record to me
0: was just not it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't... I think I probably liked Monster a little better. I did, yeah. I, I mean, like it, was a, it was a little bit heavier in Sonic Boom. Mm-hmm. But overall, there's like not a ton of it that's memorable to me. I mean, I like Take Me Down Below. I thought that was a cool song. I, I Both think... Of them sing on that. But.
1: You know, if Hell or how, um Yeah. Hell or Hallelujah? Yeah, Hell or Hallelujah. And then... Um, eat your heart out. Those are pretty memorable. But, uh, you know, and, and these last two were, if I'm not mistaken, totally produced by Paul Stanley, I think. And I, I thought that was, you know, if you're going to have these two other guys, at least I thought that was cool that Paul Stanley just took the reins on it. Then, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to find positive stuff. In the midst of, you know, kind of what they're... I don't know, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm falling apart here, but... Because it just... I don't know. They should just maybe... It's just kind of winding down for these guys. Right. What I'm, what I'm trying well, to do. Well,
2: I think they've made a conscious decision to... Continue the momentum they have on the, the classic songs, make the makeup, the personas of that. Which probably in some ways ironically kind of depletes the creativity of something new you know what I mean yeah you're living in the past so even like the new stuff they've done it's like they're trying to recreate that rather than like be what this new kiss is to me and I may be in the rehearsal rooms it may be something completely different Mm -hmm. but as a fan that's what I see yeah and and I'm okay with you never putting out another record that's okay Just tour, playing the songs that we all know and love, and that's cool. If you're going to put out a new record, I would rather than see them do kind of like almost a carnival record. Just turn these guys loose. Mm -hmm. Write something that's new and unique to this
1: version, these four guys. Yeah, but instead they're doing the formula.
2: It's like they're trying to
1: recreate,
2: you know, some classic Kiss
1: record. Because you've got the Tommy Tommy song, which is the A song. Mm Mm-hmm. You Eric gets to sing a song, which is like a Peter song. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they're great. Those guys are great. Yeah, they they're are. really talented guys. Yeah. But they wrote, had writing credits on almost every single song. On, ah, yeah. On that album, maybe, yeah. except maybe two. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure they influenced how he wrote It's, it's not just like, not. Whatever you want. It's,
2: conno- it's just not connecting with me in terms of sounding new and fresh. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like it's kind of staying in that. I don't know. Just not for me. The new era.
1: So, you know, now that we're done going over these records and this, we're kind of talking about it anyways, you know, these, they're kind of hinting around to like another farewell thing, aren't they?
2: I've heard them hint around at that and I've heard them hint around at, well, at some point there'll be a KISS band, but it won't be any original members. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you guys... Well,
0: there's that thing where supposedly they trademarked, what was it, in the end... Or the, that's uh, right. The end yeah, is, yeah. The End In of the, the, end the end. road, or something. End of the, end of the road. That's yeah. it.
1: So, it's like, <laughs> what are they? What are they doing?
0: I think it'd be really cool if, if yeah, Mitch Lafon, because you'd seen that as well. He posted that he wishes on their final tour they would do something where they just brought everybody along, which they probably would never do that. But like everybody, um, but like different yeah, eras. Yeah, Bruce Kulik out there, Tommy Thayer, Ace, Ace, Benny and, Vincent, yeah. Just, I mean, something like that. I'd definitely go see. Yeah. You know, if they just came here and it's the same, that'd be almost kind of like the, the Hendrix like,
2: experience thing that we went to, where it was like just yeah. like every two or three songs was like another guitar
1: player yeah, coming exactly. out. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, so do you, do you think they will do like the a licensed Kiss tribute? I think that'll be the death of it because I don't think it would because they're pure already playing Kiss fans now, are just like,
2: so. forget
0: that, man. Well, they're still playing a. They just do the casinos to like do those shows. Yeah. Hey, we this place That'll be music. the end of it to me. Yeah, you, I
2: at that point it's just another officially licensed, uh, you know, cover band. Well, guess what? Well, tonight Tulsa's very own Dress to Kill Kiss band is playing. I mean, it's yeah, it's exactly. just a bigger version yeah. of that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And,
0: but you got to think, so many people that don't pay attention or really care. I mean, there's most yeah. people do care, but I mean, there's a ton. Like foreigners been touring for years without anybody. With Mick Brown there, and all of a sudden he's not even there. Well, that's and there's a fair, like not a single original member in the band. That's a fair still point. So casinos. That's a
2: fair. That's a fair point. It's it. You probably have to take a, a step or two notch down. They're not going to be selling out arenas or yeah, they'd be all casinos seat, or maybe
0: theaters. Maybe
1: through. a couple thousand. But maybe. that's an
0: easy way to make money. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised.
1: I've got. I I think. Um, his his kid, Gene Simmons' kid, Nick is going to be the new Gene Simmons. That's, That's a I good think. theory because you know uh, um, when I was when I was married, my ex loved all those reality shows, mm-hmm. and we always had to watch his stupid reality show. And he was all and his kid was always working on music, wanted mm-hmm. to be in a band, wanted to do this. And you heard about on Blabbermouth he was working on his own music. Then all of a sudden he just goes away and you don't ever see or hear anything of him mm-hmm. and he's a spitting image of his dad he's tall and you know they've always said you know kiss isn't about the four of us it can go on without us and I just think that that might be one thing they do to like keep some kind of like the familiarity I, the, uh, the I can see Paul
2: stepping away I don't know that Gene could ever be like <laughs> not in the
0: limelight I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, Gene would have a hard time yeah. with that you know? uh, he, he probably he probably would
1: but well, that's, see that's one stuff, theory I
0: have, so I don't know. You know, the last month or two where Ace really showed up at several of his I could totally ends. see a ring yeah. some ring. And then thing. now Vinny Vincent Yeah, Vinny as well. As well. Yeah, but Vincent, I don't see yeah.
2: Peter coming back. Yeah, no, no I, I don't either. No. I think
0: I don't think I think all they you know no, not Peter, but I think all they need is Ace to be able to sell more tickets. Right. Yeah. They don't need both of them. And it's they kind do, of like Guns N' Roses. It, you know, I wish he was there, but they don't need him to put asses in the seats like no. they needed Slash the Duff. You know, if, right.
2: they, if they did bring Peter, I think they'd probably do like the two-drummer thing. Well, that'd be cool, yeah.
0: too. Yeah. Well, I, I can't see them depending. Or a hologram of Eric Carr would be cool. <laughs> no holograms,
1: <laughs> goddammit. I was okay. a big Eric Carr fan. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if they did something like... This is our last last show in New York or something, and they brought Peter out. I'm sure he would do it. a couple songs, like, or, even or, even just to take a bow or something. Right. I don't know, but let you him know, sing Beth. Yeah, because he, he's he's older than all of them. He's already in his 70s mm-hmm. now, so you know, I, I I don't know, you know,
2: that would be cool. He could come out and do a couple of his songs. Yeah, yeah, Hard Luck Woman and Beth, Beth and... and
1: yeah, I would go. I would unless it's like. Two or $300, then I'd be like, I don't know about all that. But hey, if Gene Simmons is involved, it'll be a pricey ticket.
2: <laughs> Even like, yeah, this this recent thing they did over here in, in Tulsa at the casino was like very expensive for that little place. I was like, mm. yeah, guys.
1: Well, it's
0: because yeah. they know they can sell it out.
1: Yeah. Like I'm, I, I love y'all, man, but I ain't doing that. Did they have what kind of show did they have for that
0: size of stage? They had, they still had the risers where they went up. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just on a smaller so level. Did they have the anymore. big
2: flames and bombs and everything going off too, or? Yeah, but it wasn't, I remember they
0: did the flames and stuff. That I don't think they did, down. you know, like all the, you know, there's always explosions going mm-hmm. on. That didn't happen, but the stuff like out a Thayer's guitar, when it shoots out and all that stuff oh, happened.
1: Wow. Nice. I mean, the Ace, really Oh, I said man. Thayer's guitar
0: I didn't say that <laughs> <laughs>
1: he got you Trent. I was just like man
0: Ace wasn't up there man. I know but that's his that's his gimmick yeah I know. well you kind of alluded to it saying you're cool but I did want to ask like I mean are you besides saying you would do it are you cool with the fact that Tommy Thayer's there and acting like Ace and Peter Chris? I mean Eric Singer's acting like Peter Chris, or should they have gave them their own personas like they did you know, the Fox and all that other if, stuff.
2: if Honestly, I think they did it the right way um, because fans at this point want classic Kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think Gene and Paul were very, very astute back in the 70s or 80s when Ace and Peter didn't think that the likenesses were valuable at all because Kiss was kind of out of favor with fans and they sold them their rights to the likenesses, what a great investment, you know, for Paul and Gene to make. So kudos to those guys to having vision. It's the right thing to do for Kiss, and Kiss fans want to see those classic images. But you know, I'd be lying if I if there wasn't a small part. If you're like a diehard Ace fan, seeing someone basically being Ace and it's not Ace is. It is it is what it is, man. Yeah. It yeah. is. What, and Tommy, I would never hate on the guy. He's a great player. And from by all accounts, he's a super guy, guy just a super nice
1: guy. But it ain't ace, man. It ain't ace. And, you know, but, but would would crowds today have been receptive if it was like, you know, the new guys, the dog and the mongoose? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, see, I don't it think so. It got ridiculous yeah. with the
2: wizard and the <laughs> – even the it, fox. That, the fox was kind of cool, but yeah. the wizard thing was ridiculous. The onk. Yeah, that was, was, that yeah, was totally yeah. ridiculous. Well, when you <laughs> think,
0: like I heard some interview with Gene Simmons, probably on Jericho or something, where he was talking about just that. He said, people just know those four right. Those four faces. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why would we not benefit from that? It
2: was a hell of a move. And, you know, I'm sure that in some ways, Ace and Peter have to be kicking themselves in the ass. For giving up those likenesses. Yeah. You know? But they didn't think they were valuable. Right. You know? Oh, you want to pay me X number of dollars to sign away my rights to my image? So be it. They did. They took took whatever offer they got back then. And I would say those likenesses are probably a lot more valuable than whatever they signed them away to be. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely.
3: So.
0: Well, I mean, overall... Going through all this, there's way more hits than misses, I think. So, oh yeah, when down. you look at it that way, there's only a few spots where you're just kind of like, eh. Right. You no,
2: know, Kiss catch, catches a bad rap. You know, people uh, kind of give them a lot of grief about being more image based than substance based. But you're talking about a band that spanned over 40 years, and um, you know, a lot of bands that had a lot more credibility as musicians or songwriters are, have never spanned that kind of a career. So you got to give it up to these guys. They kept it simple. They wrote, they had better eras than others, but um, man,
1: uh, a career like that, you got to give it, give these guys respect, man. Totally. Definitely. Just, just, just the sheer output alone, whether it was good or bad or whatever, whatever era it sounded like. I mean, song, they can just peel songs off of these guys you know yeah. what 249 songs i mean that's that's pretty awesome and that's all that's just what we haven't heard so that's pretty cool in and of itself all
0: right well we appreciate you going through this with us man thanks for inviting me it's yeah. been a lot of fun yeah you're the first person we had do one of these with us it no, makes, it's been makes awesome, more sense man. to bring someone in that knows yeah because we're big fans but you know more than us
2: you know, right because you're a bigger fan but. well thanks man i really appreciate the invitation man it means a lot it's been
1: Definitely. a lot of fun
0: there you go. Every album in a row from Kiss. Thank you again, once again, to CJ McClellan from Grind for joining us and dropping a lot of
1: knowledge there. A lot of knowledge. Yeah. He knew his stuff. Very helpful. And I, I learned some stuff. So it was great.
0: Yeah, at We Are The Grind. Look him up on Facebook and Twitter. Listen to their songs on Reverb Nation. They're great, just great hard rock band. If you're a Kiss fan, I wouldn't see why you wouldn't like these guys. Exactly. Well, like we mentioned earlier, there's many of these other every album in a row. Go to our YouTube page at The Thun Underground. Eventually, we're going to have them all up here where you can listen to them everywhere else. SoundCloud, YouTube. I mean, I already said YouTube, but SoundCloud, Google, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all that stuff. But in the time being, you can check out ones from Motley Crue, Pantera, Guns N' Roses, Ozzy, Metallica, Megadeth. And we've got more of these coming down the line. Yes, we do. If you like what you just heard, you obviously are a KISS fan if you're still listening. Probably. Unless you just love Jason, which is (laughs) highly possible. It's not. But anyways. (laughs) So what you need to do is go listen to Gene Simmons on this podcast. Yes. He was on episode 116. That was pretty, what's the right word, surreal? It
1: It was. It really was.
0: It was a podcast that came together real quick within a day or two. Like we said on that episode, a big shout out to Sunshine Seawright for setting that up for us, and that that was a cool experience because so many people like to bag on Gene, but he was one of the coolest dudes that we've done a podcast with. Yeah, I mean, you, you, we we've been we've been
1: treated worse by lesser people. That's for sure. Gene Simmons couldn't have been more of a gentleman and more inviting. And like you said, it came together real quick. We didn't even have time to get, to get nervous. Right. It, we were just kind of thrown into it. And so it was a, a pretty cool experience. And we have also had Bruce Kulik on the podcast.
0: Yeah. Later on, he came on, talked about all kinds of stuff, some of the KISS stuff. Yes. Everything else he's got going on. Even talked about Michael Bolton and Billy Squire. Got to love that. Yeah, you can't beat that.
1: I know you love Billy Squire. Obviously.
0: Hell yeah. Only assholes don't love Billy Squire. People, I just called Jason an asshole. Sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Big old pause there. I wonder. <laughs> I'm not a Billy Squire guy. Sorry.
0: Well, in non kiss related stuff, we've got tons of interviews, tons of where we just talk. Go back and check out some of these interviews with guys from bands like Seven Dust, Shinedown, Megadeth, Dave Elfson, and Chris Broderick have both been on his podcast. Fad guys from SuperJoint. Down, Crowbar. We've had glam rock dudes from fans like Europe, Warrant, Trickster, Firehouse, Taiketto, Lillian Axe, Bullet Boys. Fat on heavy stuff like Death Angel, Battlecross, Insight, Wino from The Obsessed. You like that kind of stuff? Fat on guys from King and Truck Fighters. Like I said, Kirk Winstein. The list is endless, people. Go back and check these out. SoundCloud.com backslash Thunder Underground. All right. Got any final Kiss-related nuggets to throw out to the world? Uh, I don't think so.
1: I think think we have covered everything Kiss-related that we can cover in this episode. That's right. That's for damn sure.
0: Revenge is the greatest Kiss album, so (laughs) if you agree or don't agree, write something here in the comments on Facebook or on SoundCloud. Let us know what your favorite Kiss album is. Nothing's going to change me. (laughs) Man... You should give the spill from Rock and Roll All Night. I mean, uh, God gave Rock and Roll to you too, right now. Oh God! You know what?
1: At any time, I could probably remember it, but now that you put me on the spot, I probably couldn't do it.
0: <laughs> I know life sometimes brings you down. <laughs> I know life sometimes can be hard, but we've been given a gift. That's right. But people, we have been given a
1: gift. We have been given a road, and that road's name is Rock and Roll. There you go. <laughs>
0: Oh, fuck. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.